When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 225 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing how to be happy in a culture that glorifies consumption. Now, the benefits of happiness are innumerable, right? Happy people are more helpful and less hostile and more productive. They also experience better health and live longer. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you likely already know, and I mean know cognitively in your head, that happiness doesn't come from stuff, right? But even knowing this cognitively isn't necessarily enough amidst our consumerist culture, which of course tells us over and over again that happiness can be found in buying stuff, accumulating stuff, and in accumulating and focusing on money. Today, I am speaking with Julia Spohr. She is the host of the Being Better podcast, which is a show about how we can all become happier, healthier, and wiser versions of ourselves. And here we are, Julia. I am so excited to talk to you today all about happiness. Tell us who you are and what the Being Better podcast is all about. Hi, everyone. I am Julia, and I'm currently in Poland, and I am a blogger, and I host the Being Better podcast, and it's about all the ways in which we can all become happier, wiser, um, healthier, and in the feed of the podcast, you can listen to solo episodes in which I talk about different practices and experiments that I do on myself, and just talking about different scientific research regarding right being just better And also you can find interviews with different experts uh, from different fields uh, that can share their knowledge and their experiences. I found this amazing quote as I was preparing for this episode, and it's by philosopher Roger Corliss. Roger says, trying to be happy by accumulating possessions is like trying to satisfy hunger by taping sandwiches all over your body. I love it. Before we get there, let's talk about some common mistakes that the average human on planet Earth makes when they try to be happier. What are some mistakes? Where do we focus our energies where we perhaps shouldn't? 
from my experience, from the experiences of the listeners and from my friends' experiences, I know that we do make a lot of mistakes when it comes to our happiness. You have to remember that our brains were not designed for happiness, but for survival. So things like our tendency to notice only the negative side of things are simply results of evolution and what behaviors were needed for survival on the savanna. We just did not develop to be these happy and virtuous uh, beings. It's actually quite the contrary. Uh, so I would say the first thing that we get wrong about happiness is that most of us think that this is how we're supposed to feel all the time. And that is, you know, that they think that this default state for a healthy person is just constantly feeling joy. And that's simply wrong because it's impossible because of the way our brain is designed. We'll always crave more food and more possessions and more social validation. And the way the brain works is that when you don't get these things, you feel down, you feel sad. So yeah, please to all the listeners out there, remember that your brain did not develop to be happy. That's the hard truth. But the good news is that we can train ourselves to uh, be happier Right. Uh, What you're saying there is that we are hunter-gatherers in our DNA, and being happy is not going to ensure survival, but accumulating food, supplies, actually just might. So happiness is not going to keep us alive, right? And yeah, when it comes to like misconceptions and and mistakes, I think the... Another thing that we get wrong is, again, because of the way we evolved, is that uh, social validation and money and positions will make us happy. That actually is true, but only to a certain extent. Um, So one of my personally favorite uh, psychological studies is the research done by uh, Danny Danny Kahneman uh, about the relationship between annual income and happiness. Uh, So in that study, what they have done is distinguish uh, two types of happiness, which I think is very helpful. One was um, life uh, evaluation and the other was emotional well-being. So what they found is that when plotted against um, annual income, life evaluation uh, rises steadily and keeps rising. However, emotional well-being, it rises with income but only to a certain degree. And there's no further progress beyond an annual income of about $75,000 per year. Um, So the study is concluded that high income buys life satisfaction, but not happiness. And that low income is associated with, you know, both low low life evaluation and low emotional well-being. And so what we need to kind of... um, keep in mind is that sure possessions and money are important but after all your basic needs are met money is not going to change a lot when it comes to your emotional well-being the hedonic adaptation is similar it's also called the hedonic treadmill treadmill it's that you know we have this default state of happiness and you can like the treadmill you can keep walking and walking and walking but Um, you're not going to move as much because, you know, we get used to things. For example, let's say about money, right? So you're going to earn a your first $1,000 and it's going to be super exciting. Uh, but uh, when you earn another thousand, it's not going to, it's not going to change much. We adapt to certain um, types of um 
or I would say the kind of bumps in your happiness levels. Uh, and then we come back to that default state because we cannot simply be feeling, you know, ecstasy over the time. That's just biologically impossible. Yeah, it's like for anybody listening who has ever gotten a new car or a new watch, and, you know, we're really excited about a new car or a fancy new watch at the beginning, there's a little bump of happiness. But over time, that happiness levels out and that car is just your car. <laughs> and that fancy Rolex watch is just your watch. So I think we've done a real good in this first part of this conversation of talking about what we've already kind of know cognitively, which is that stuff and money doesn't provide the euphoric bliss that our consumerist culture tells us it will. In the second part of this conversation, Julia, I really want to transition into what are some takeaways? What are some little habit tweaks that we can all enact in our daily lives to become happier? So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch they wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back with Julia Spohr, host of the Being Better podcast. As I mentioned before the break, Julia, let's talk about ways in which we can be happier. What does science say? And before I ask you that question, I should say that I found it to be extremely interesting as I was researching for this episode to learn that happiness is about 50% genetics and 50% lifestyle habits. So fun fact here for anybody listening, our genetics do come into play when we talk about happiness and optimistic extroverts tend to be happiest. Optimistic extroverts, that's me. 
I don't know if I'm necessarily happier than you or anybody else. But if happiness is 50% genetics, then that means that 50% of our happiness is within our control. So let's start there. What does science say are some quick, easy, free ways that we can increase our own happiness levels? So actually, the good news is there are multiple ways in which we can um, kind of make our lives a bit better and more pleasant. And the first one is just to start a gratitude practice, because I think it's well known that we mostly focus on the bad things. It's actually called the negativity bias, and it's very prevalent in um, human psychology. So in order to kind of overcome the negativity bias, what we need to do is practice gratitude and kind of make sure that we uh, notice all the good things in life. And again, if you focus on the bad things and the drama and that it's raining and that your arm hurts, again, it's not your fault. It's just how we evolved. So this is why we kind of focus on the bad side of things. And to overcome that natural tendency, what we need to do is build that muscle of gratitude. Because I think of it as a muscle, as just like something that we need to train. And when it's strong enough, it's going to become very instinctive. And it's going to be, you're not going to have to think about it. It's going to be as intuitive as breathing. So what you can do is practice the three blessings exercise. It's a very quick thing that is very useful. And it's like going to the gym um, for when it comes to practicing the muscle of, uh, of gratitude. Uh, so what I do personally is in my calendar every day when I just plan my day, plan my tasks, what I do is write three things that I am grateful for and that I kind of give thanks to just three things. And they don't have to all be like big, amazing things. Sometimes you want to be thankful for having a desk or for having access to clean water. Sometimes you want to be thankful for having great friends and great a great partner. Sometimes you want to just be thankful for not having a runny nose because you were sick for the past week. If you do that every day, then you're not going to have to do it every day. Like this country conscious practice is not going to be something that you're going to have to do because like I said, it's going to become um, unconscious. You're just going to be a happier person and you're going to notice the good things. I'm going to just pause you there and talk about gratitude for a minute. I should say that I am not a particularly grateful person, or at least I wasn't. I'm not a person who stops and appreciates the little things. But at the start of 2021, I started using a new planner. And I do exactly what you do. My planner actually has a section to list, you call them the three blessings, but the planner says three things I'm grateful for. And I should say research says that when you're choosing your three things every single day to be grateful for, they have to be right then in the moment as you're writing them down. So you can't be grateful that on Friday you get to go out to dinner. It has to be right then and now. And at the beginning, when I first started this, started writing these three things, it was mm, arduous and it seemed a little lame and didn't really see any benefit to it. But now I've been doing it for 11 months and I can say that practicing gratitude in those minutes every morning when I'm right filling out my planner, it has trained my brain. The more you practice something, the better you get at it. It has trained my brain to when I'm out in my real life, I am stopping and I am 
appreciating the little things, a breeze on my face, my child smiling, these little moments that if we're not if we're not paying attention, if we're not if we haven't exercised the gratitude muscle, we we could miss. Tell me another, what's another thing that we could do quick, easy, simple to increase our happiness? So a lot of people talk about living in the present moment. And I would say that this is very important. However, to kind of make that even more effective, what we need to do is let go of the expectations for the present moment. So what we need to do is remind myself, remind ourselves that it is only our expectations for how this current present moment uh, should look and feel combined with our reluctance to accept it for what it is that cause our unhappiness. For example, um, you're not going to be angry or unhappy when you are stuck in a traffic jam if you don't have any expectations for what the moment should look like instead. Expectations and attachment is something that a lot of um, Buddhists talk about. And this is something that I really found very helpful is that we need to let go of attachment to expectations for how our life should be, for how I should feel, for how um, my relationship should be, for just my overall well-being. These expectations are actually what makes me unhappy. So very often uh, my expectation that I should be happy right now is making me unhappy. And I find that really funny in a way, be in the present moment and also be present enough to notice that you may have some sort of expectations and really try to live a life of accepting the moment as it is without really trying to change it. Actually, that answer really speaks to me. Just the other day, I was talking with a friend and I was explaining the phenomenon that I often experience, which is, I know cognitively I should be appreciating every moment with my daughters as they're young. However, not every moment is all that great. And a lot of times I am feeling like, you know, let's rush this along. As soon as they're older, they'll be more independent. They'll whine less. They'll get along better. Whatever whatever is going on in the moment, I said, let's just move this moment along. Let's move these stages along. But then I think to myself, well, wait a minute. They're only going to be young once. I should be enjoying this time. And then I feel guilty and bummed out. And then I definitely don't feel happy because I'm First of all, not enjoying the moment, and then I'm feeling guilty for not enjoying the moment. And so I like what you're saying there. What you're saying is, let go of any expectations. Like, I have the expectation that every moment of having young children should be this idyllic, uh, wonderful experience. And that's not necessarily true. That's an expectation I have on myself. And I should actually, if I'm going to take my own advice as a host of this podcast, I should allow myself to fully experience every moment, the good, the bad, and not put guilt on myself to have a different experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is a lot, what a lot of mothers ex- experience, especially. There are a lot of expectations that we put on ourselves, even unconsciously. But when you become aware, at least when you become aware of those expectations and not try to change that, I think like that's really, that's a, you are halfway there. 
even realizing this can be a great start. This episode is about how to be happier in a culture that glorifies consumption. So I do want to talk about spending money and I do want to talk about shopping in the final part of this conversation. We all know that shopping for stuff doesn't make us happier in the long term, aside from that original dopamine boost, right? But what I did find interesting is that shopping for someone else does indeed make us happier. And that's because in those instances, the shopping is less about the item you buy and more about nurturing the relationship. So I have to ask you, Julia, what does science say about the importance of nurturing those fewer but higher quality relationships in our lives? So when it comes to that research that you found that um, shopping uh, for ourselves uh, is not, it doesn't make us as happy as for other people, it's actually also one of my favorite um, study. Uh, this research was done by Elizabeth Dunn and Lara Atkins, and their study explores how employees at this Boston-based company spend their profit-sharing bonus and how that impacted their long-term happiness. And in, um, and in also in another study, they showed how spending as little as $5 over the course of a day uh, on another person, uh, person led to increase, increases in happiness. So in other words, people don't need to be wealthy and donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to charity to experience these benefits of um, pro-social spending. Uh, just those small changes, a few dollars can really make a difference. And again, it also ties back to the law of diminishing returns and also uh, the hedonic adaptations effect. We just get used to things. And when we spend money on other people, we don't have anything to get used to. So we have that benefit of shopping, that joy of acquiring something without um, kind of getting used to that thing being in our life, especially when we love someone and when we buy them a gift, it makes us so happy to see that they are happy. Like for me, the best part of Christmas is watching people open my gifts. Uh, so in this way, spending money on other people really is great. And uh, it's like this is another tip. Next time you are, you know, in uh, on in a restaurant and you can buy something uh, for your friends, like it might be actually better for you than just for them. So so try that out. But your second question was about uh, having fewer uh, but higher quality uh, relationships. Uh, so I think that this is something uh, very important. What we need to think about when it comes to our happiness is the people we spend the most time with. So like my favorite quote or like favorite rule is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you need to think what uh, those five people are in your life, what type of uh, values they have, what things they talk about, what are their habits. And you have to think about if you want to be like and think like and feel like those people. It is important to rethink those people that you have in your life. So in this way, having fewer, however, higher quality relationships can be very, very helpful when it comes to your happiness. Mm. Julia, my final question has to do with 
spending money. It's inevitable. We're all (laughs) working to have money to spend money. And research says that when we do spend money on ourselves, we should spend it on experiences. Why is that? So it's really easy to become used to those possessions. When it comes to the law uh, of diminishing returns, it also talks about that it gets increasingly harder to get the same results, right? So you can um, you can be, for example, for a person that is having like this sedentary um, lifestyle and they start going to the gym, they will quickly see results almost immediately and they start will start um, losing weight and the return on that effort will be high. But as they spend more time in the gym, the marginal increase in their fitness will begin to get smaller and smaller and they will need to increase the duration and the frequency and the intensity of the workout uh, or in other words, uh, increase the effort to get the same result. And this is why, you know, spending money on experiences is better. You will not get used to them because experiences are almost always different from one another. Investing in different experiences, especially experiences with people you value and, you know, investing in their happiness as well, as we talked about earlier, it is great because you will have that, you know, spark of joy uh, that will be probably long lasting uh, because uh, you also invest in memories. So when it comes to um, buying possessions, you have, uh, you get happiness, but it's only like immediate happiness. But when you invest in experiences, for example, a great trip with your family, with your friends, um, then you not only invest in that trip, but you invest also in that relationship first. And then you also invest in having great memories that will come back to you. So in that way, um, experiences are actually much more valuable because you can experience this um hit of happiness actually uh, multiple times. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Tell us, Julia, where my listeners can find more of you and find the Being Better podcast. So the podcast uh, is available on all major podcast platforms. The Instagram is uh, beingbetter.pod. If you have any questions, you can hit me up at uh, podcast.beingbetter.pod gmail.com and for anyone listening my parting word of advice is just to engage in random acts of kindness it will pay off in the long term for sure and you can be surprised how just holding door for someone can for sure make you happier and do a lot of good for your own uh, happiness listeners i so hope you enjoyed my chat with julia spohr host of the Being Better podcast. Now, we do have an eco tip this week, and it comes from John. John wrote to me on Instagram. John wanted to recommend a platform called Box Giver as a resource for reducing packaging waste. It's basically a website where people can exchange packaging materials locally. So you just search your location, and all the closest listings will show up. And then you just message the owner and coordinate a pickup time for all of that packaging that you perhaps need. So that's Box Giver. I will link to it in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 225. Have an amazing two days. I will see you soon. 
and take care. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.